0: Heads up! Heads up. Here's another one. And, a, and, a, and another one. Geek, geek. Why you all in my ear? Talking a whole bunch of shit that I ain't trying to hear. Get back, get back. You don't know me like that. Get back, get back. You don't know me like that. Geek, geek. I ain't playing around. Make one boss move, I take it down. Get
1: Greetings and happy Wednesday. a little ludicrous there. This is the Desiree show first downs and Flip tricks on Dash radio. It is the eighth day of May. Hope you guys all had an awesome weekend. Uh, I got I'm pretty stoked. I got a pretty sick uh, pretty sick setup. I'm surrounded by men as always uh, in the studio. I've got Cole running the boards and I've got uh, two guys with USC backgrounds both playing had, playing in the NFL. Um, and I'm going to do some in just a moment. I had a stacked weekend. Uh, I don't know if you guys did. I hope you had a great weekend. I was at Tony Alva's uh, documentary premiere up in Orange on Thursday night. It's amazing if you have the opportunity to see it. Skateboarding Hall of Fame on Friday night in Orange as well at the Grove. Uh, congratulations to good friends Matt Hensley, Alan Losey, Judy Oyama, Brad Bowman, and Guy Mariano, uh, and, along with all the other inductees. Saturday, uh, sadly, I missed... Um, there's a paddle out for Waylon, Mama. I'm really sad I missed it. Uh, I was unable to get there. Uh, just continued prayers. But the support that I saw that came out to uh, to honor Waylon was uh, truly overwhelming. I, I teared up when I saw it. Um, it's it's beautiful. I actually posted it on my Instagram, the photo, um, and just continued love and healing prayers to Andrea and Tyler and Stella and the new baby, Bertie. Um, now, Vance Pool Party as well on Saturday. And I know that's a lot of stuff. I had a stacked weekend, I'll tell you. I mean, and I'm not even going into all the details. Uh, congratulations, though. Um, as as Vance does it, they always do it at the ninth degree. Uh, amazing event, amazing weekend of events. Uh, congratulations to Chris Miller, Eric Nash, S- Stevie Caballero on the Masters, or the Legends, pardon me, Masters, Sandro Diaz, uh, Andy McDonald, and Chad Shetler. And... Tom Shar Corey Juno and Chris Russell in the pros all right uh now I'm excited uh without further ado I've got a former fullback a fullback yes a fullback and um he's work he's got history within this amazing program from Syracuse uh, I swear it's like a it's a back uh, institution they uh, pump out Hall of Fame fullbacks and Tight ends, even, and running backs and halfbacks. He played for the Lions, the Bears, the Broncos, and he also played in the arena football leagues. Uh, He was staff at UNLV, and he's currently on the USC Trojan coaching staff as assistant strength and conditioning coach. I'm really excited to welcome Mr. Keith Thump, Mr. (laughs) Keith Thump (laughs) Belton. (laughs) Hi, Keith.
0: Well, thanks for having me. I tell you what, um, it's kind of foreign for me to hear Keith. I haven't been called Keith until I was probably thirty-three years old. Okay, two. my name has been Thump my whole oh. life, and then uh, I got into I got into this profession at twenty-eight, and then my supervisor at that time, Cos Kaz Kazadi, that down at Baylor, he was like, "Look, I'm not calling another man Thump. Your name's Keith. As a matter <laughs> of fact, your name is Coach KB. So I've been KB for the past eight or nine years now. So it's been awesome.
1: Right, right. Now, how did Thump come about?
0: You know what? I've heard so many stories about it. Um, When I was a kid, when I was a baby, I've always been called thump. My dad said he named me that because I was thumping in my mom's stomach. Uh And my mom said she named me that because she knew that I was going to be a football player or something like that. So the thing is that that name has a double-edged sword to it because when you got a name like that and you play a physical sport like football, you got to back it up. So even if I didn't want to play, I had no choice but to play hard and be tough. So one of those things, got me in a lot of trouble. <laughs>
1: right. Yeah, no. no well, uh, in football, I mean, uh, sports, sports period. We'll, we'll get more into detail with that, but football, when did you start playing? Oh,
0: my gosh. I started playing football. I was four years old, okay. and I had no business playing because there's a weight limit. And there's an age uh, limit at that time as well, but my uncle was a football coach, so I was actually four, but I had to play with the six-year-olds. <laughs> wow. Luckily for me, I had good genetics. I was big enough. And I was strong enough at that age to kind of hold my own. But um, I've always played up, so it didn't really make me no difference at all. But I started at four. My first sport was softball. Not softball, but baseball. Okay. T-ball. Okay. And then that was actually my favorite sport I was about eight, nine years old. And then I wanted to get into boxing. My dad was a professional boxer in the military. And he said, look, dude, there's no way I'm going to let you get into boxing. You need to play football or do baseball. So he made me pick one, so I chose football and just roll with it. Right
1: on. Now, baseball, you I mean, T-ball, but did mm-hmm. you... T-ball is a little premature for actual positions. Mm-hmm. Um, but did, I mean, was there a position you wanted to play or aspire wanted to, be to play? I an outfielder. Okay. Wanted center, outfielder. left, center, right? Center, okay, center field. okay. My
0: uncle was a, like I said, my uncle was a softball. Well, not the softball, I keep saying softball for some reason. Somebody from one of my softball teams must be talking about me. But, <laughs> um, my uncle was the baseball slash T-ball team coach, and okay. he put me on out the outfield. And to this day, he says I has the best arm he's ever seen in his life. Like I can, I can throw a football really well too. I probably should have been a quarterback. But he said, when it comes to baseball, I probably got the best ball he's ever seen in his life. Well, that's pretty. Impressive. So I think I missed my calling.
1: So, well, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, that's really hard to, uh, to argue here. Having played also in the NFL right. and the arena, and mm-hmm. playing for Syracuse. I mean. Mm. You know, it's hard to say that you might have missed your calling. <laughs> yeah,
0: that's true. I mean,
1: you could have Michael Jordaned it, you know, somehow, right? Yes, yes, for
0: sure. <laughs> Michael Jordan don't get enough credit. He was actually better than what people thought he was in baseball, but that's a whole nother subject.
1: Well, and or Dion. I yeah. mean, you know, I mean, there's, yeah, I mean, there's sure. some phenomenal multi. I mean, and it's sad, and we'll get into that as well a little mm-hmm. farther down the show. But mm-hmm. it's kind of sad because I feel kids these days have they are forced to make a decision early. Um, I mean, really early and Mm -hmm. are not afforded the opportunity to do other sports, which I think makes you a more well-rounded athlete.
0: 100%, I mean, if you talk to most college coaches, they always tell you they they wanna recruit multi-sport athletes guys who play or girls who play more than one sport. And usually it's baseball and basketball or baseball and football or football and baseball. They really look for the or track. Course, track or the I mean, O.J. Simpson, right. I mean was. Right. It's a funny story about that because I actually tried to play high school baseball <laughs> in my high school coach, and I love him to death to this day. He's probably the only man I'm still scared of at 37. But <laughs> um, I tried to play baseball. I went out for the baseball team. I actually made the baseball team. He called me to his office. And he said, look, man, there's no way you're going to ever go to the major leagues in baseball. You're an NFL football player, so you're going to quit this baseball team, you're going to run track, and that's what I did.
1: Wow. <laughs> that, let's, let's talk about that. Let's talk about the people on the path. Oh, my uh, God. I mean, you just mentioned, um, yeah. you know, a, a huge mentor to you, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, what other people, uh, oh, you know, man. kind of presented themselves on your path that really really stand out? Obviously a lot right. of people, but
0: yeah. <laughs> you know what? I remember all of my elementary school teachers. I remember all of them. The good ones, and uh, I would say the bad ones, and um, is one in particular. Her name is Miss Sessoms, and I don't know. I don't know if she's still teaching or not, but she was always my favorite teacher because she realized that uh, I learned differently. And uh, when I was younger, they tried to test me for learning dis- uh, disabilities, but I did. I do understand that I do learn things differently. Uh, I wouldn't say that I've been clinically diagnosed with anything, but it does take me longer to learn certain things. And she rec- she recognized that earlier in my uh, in my youth. So she would always keep me after school and help me with my schoolwork and all that type of stuff. So she was one of the first people to actually recognize that but actually wanted to do something about it. because she knew I was phenomenal in sports. I've always been phenomenal in sports, but she actually took her time with me after school because my mom worked from 7 to 7 at night, and my brother is disabled, so he really couldn't do a whole lot with me, a whole lot for me, and he was working. So she would kind of take that role and say, okay, I know you don't have anybody at home to really help you with this, so I'm going to keep you after school and help you with that. So I love Miss Selsen to this day. Ironically, every time I go back to Charlotte, and I really do, I always run into her and I always thank her and give her a big old hug. Um, and, of course, I had a great support system with my family. You know, I grew up around a whole lot of males, strong males, truck drivers, barbers, hustlers, everybody, you know, and they taught me a lot. And we, we, we were never considered um, highly educated when it came to school. But when it came to um, social awareness, but we would say street smart. We was very, 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 I would say my family got masters and doctors in that. So they always taught me about integrity. They always taught me about honesty. They always taught me about being on time and doing what you're supposed to do and being where you're supposed to be. Um, Dress a certain way, talk a certain way, being respectful. They always taught me those things, even though they didn't have the um, traditional school um, education per se. We were highly educated young men and men at that time but my high school coaches and my middle school coaches, my little league coaches, those those are my guys because I don't come from a real athletic family except for my dad. But that's a whole other mystery at the same time. But uh, those those high school coaches, those middle school coaches, and youth league coaches, they were everything to me because they were the guys that say, you know what, you're going to be something. And it was no doubt in my mind even when I was a kid that I was going to be a professional athlete. No, You couldn't tell told me anything different. It was no doubt in my mind and everybody knew it. That he's going to be a professional athlete so it was already in me and i believed in myself and i didn't let nobody tell me i wasn't going to be so i just did what i, what I had to do to make sure that happened
1: right no it's amazing and if you're just tuning in i'm joined by kb or or thumb <laughs> what do you prefer you know <laughs> um, coach kb you know, I should say. this is what i'm
0: gonna do just just for this um this <laughs> interview i'm gonna be thump just for this thumb? Interview. okay yes,
1: best way to follow you on social media
0: I'm at a competition me and I'm also at seed, C, uh, C performance.
1: Okay. And uh, that's S E A dot performance, performance mm-hmm. on and Instagram at, competition me, yeah. at a competition me mm-hmm. okay. competition dot me competition.me okay awesome uh twitter same handle i don't have okay all right so we're strictly ig Mm -hmm. uh and we will have more information as well so thump thump is in studio with me today and (laughs) jibo is also in studio (laughs) i'm a a gemini so and and i am as well yeah
0: and so that's two different personalities just two different people so i'm gonna let thump come out today
1: okay i like that yeah (laughs) my birthday is may 25th yours is june 1st that's right
0: Yep. That's right. I love that.
1: Geminis are good. We, we are ruin, crazy.
0: We, we run the world.
1: We are. Do we run? We run the world. <laughs> I like that. We run the world. But Geminis. My new, my new tagline now, right? <laughs> All right. Fullback. Mm-hmm. Uh, a position that sadly, I've always been a fan of the fullback, mm-hmm. um, of a physical run. Um, it's shifted. The position has shifted, obviously. It depends on what offense you're running, mm-hmm. um, whether it's halfback, tailback, um, you know, flanking back, I mean, whatever, <laughs> however you want it to, the terminology, fullback, right, running yeah. back. Um, when did you start kind of, when was that role sort of given <laughs> to you or, you know, playing in high school, I'm assuming, or maybe <laughs> was it earlier?
0: Um, nah, I never intended to play fullback, <laughs> you know, and I and I like to thank Coach David Walker and Coach Paul Pasqualoni for that. Um, there was... Paul Pasquale was the head coach of Syracuse when I was there. Mm-hmm. David Walker was the running backs coach. And uh, I was always a tailback. When I went to junior college, I was a tailback. And uh, when I got to Syracuse, I thought I was going to be a tailback. And so we had to have a hard conversation. And it really wasn't hard for me. They was like, look, if you want to play, you want to play right away, you got to put your hand in the dirt. I said, all right. And so what I'm going to do then, Anyway, I got anything I can do to help the team at that point, I was willing to do because I was coming from a junior college where – you got one meal a day and they wash your clothes once a week and so i was just grateful to be at syracuse and I had that opportunity so i just wanted to get on the field and play and, and, and provide a service to the team any way i could so i didn't i didn't give any rebuttals to that and honestly it was actually a blessing because if i would have stayed a tailback i was a uh, had an average speed to be a tailback i was always like a four six guy which is an average speed but 4-6-4 fullback is pretty darn fast, especially if you can catch, you can run, you can change direction. So it was a blessing in disguise for me to be a fullback because I was able to do a lot of things other traditional fullbacks weren't able to do. So college was the first time I actually played fullback. Okay.
1: Now I think, and we kind of had a brief discussion on this, but it's something that I've talked to Lorenzo Neal about mm-hmm. and Drew Pinnock. And, yeah. um, and I know Drew is also from – North Carolina as well. You yeah. guys share the same reason. I did text him. I didn't hear back. I was like trying to get a quote from him. I mean, you. Um, you know, this role I feel is, you know, and, I, and obviously it starts. They always say it kind of, it's kind of the surge starts again from high school and moves its way up to college and then back into the NFL. And I really feel that this is something you know, more and there is a little bit more attention because the last ten years the fullback has become an obsolete position essentially mm-hmm. in the NFL For and, sure. and in college. For sure. Um, sadly, what are your thoughts? I mean, is this coming? I mean, you're yeah. you're out. You know, you're yeah. with USC now as right. well, strength and conditioning, assistant yeah. coach. Mm-hmm. Seeing a lot of the new recruits, the kids coming in, mm-hmm. are, and I'm sure seeing current college, high school games going on as well. Yeah. Do you see a shift?
0: I think the fullback is coming back. Okay. I think it's coming back. I mean, you know, Vince Lombardi said football is first and foremost a running game. It's coming back. You can't get away from the fundamentals. You can't. So the fullback is coming back. That's why when I watch the draft and a fullback gets gets drafted, that makes my day. I mean, I just throw. I don't even know the kid. I threw a party just for him. And then so we uh, we're running a little bit of fullback at Syracuse. I mean, not at Syracuse, but at USC. And every time a fullback does something good, he catches the ball at the backfield, they get the biggest celebration to me. Because I always tell them, man, we're a dying breed. You're the only one left. you got to make this play because if you don't make this play, they go put a tight end and then we're done. So um, I think it's making a resurgence. Honestly, what, obviously what Dallas is doing down there with um, Mr. Elliott and mm-hmm. obviously with the running backs that are emerging now, they're starting to use the fullback a little bit more, especially if you can find a fullback that has a good vision, that used to be a former tailback, that makes it a whole lot easier because you see things. You have to see things before the actual tailback sees it. So anytime you can find a fullback, that used to be a tailback. That's always a good thing. Tight ends are not fullbacks. Tight ends are tight ends. They like to catch the ball and look pretty. Now, you have some of them that are tough and rugged. Yeah. But the majority of them, they just want to catch the ball. Fullbacks, we know our role. We're just going to block. And when we do get the ball, it's two yards in the cloud of dust. And we accept that.
1: Okay. <laughs> You're uh, And as a player, who did you – I mean, well, God, I mean, so Charlotte, North Carolina yeah. to Syracuse, New York. Mm-hmm. How did that happen? I mean, I'll, I mean, a junior college in between there, Ooh. but how did you get to, um, you know? I, I mean, I, I don't know if I can say this, but I mean, the backs for Syracuse historically, I mean, it's some of them. I mean, there's so many Hall of Famers.
0: Mm-hmm. I tell you what, you know, what's funny. I think it was destined. I grew up on twenty thirty eight Syracuse Drive. Ah. Uh-huh. Charlotte. I grew up in 2038 Syracuse Drive. So Syracuse was always something that was stuck in my mind. But being in South, in the South, in the ACC country, in the Southeastern Conference country, you always grew up watching Florida State and Alabama and a lot of those teams. And some of those teams didn't recruit me because my best friend at the time, his name was Nick Maddox, and he ended up going to Florida State. So they didn't want to recruit me and recruit him too. And he's supposed to have been better. And I got it. We were just two different styles. Um, how I ended up at Syracuse was, um, you know, I came in, it was it was, it was was just divine because my high school quarterback at the time, his name was Keith Mackins. he was the number two quarterback in America. So everybody came to see him, but he had to hand the ball off to somebody, you know, so they got me a lot of uh, attention. And then we had the number one receiver in America at the time. His name was Steve Shipp and he went to Florida. So they come to see these guys and they're in the 11th grade and, and the 12th grade, but I'm a 10th grade and I was playing a start and starting tailback in some of the games. So that's how I kind of got the attention. But uh, as far as getting to Syracuse, I had to figure out what was going to be the best fit. And then the fullback talk started to come. So I had to figure out at that time they called Syracuse fullback U, And that's when Rob Conrad was there. And he wore number 44. And, and actually in the recruiting process, they told me, hey, man, you come to Syracuse, we want to give you number 44. And so I committed to Syracuse and thinking I was going to go to Syracuse. But uh, we'll get into this conversation a little later. I was one of those guys who just didn't like school at all. And uh, I took advantage of my talent. And because I was talented, I, I got caught in a situation where a lot of our um, kids get caught in a situation where you kind of like rely too much on your talent. Well, I just didn't do schoolwork. And uh, they just passed me through because I was really, really good at sports. But one thing about the NCAA, they don't care nothing about that. And the clearinghouse don't either. They just know the bottom line. So what happened was I had to go to junior college. And that's when I really first took academics seriously. For the first time in my life, I took academics seriously. And uh I, was actually, I actually signed my national letter intent to Baylor. So I was going to Baylor oh. first, yeah, down there with um, Coach Kevin Steele. So I drove down there, me and my family, you drove down there, and the, my scores and everything came back, and I didn't make it, so they sent me to junior college to northeast Mississippi. And um, that was kind of the rebirth of me from an intellectual standpoint because I was able to hone in and concentrate on things that was important. And then when that happened, I knew right away that I needed to contact Syracuse, so I got on the phone. I called Coach pa- Paul Pasqualoni. I talked to his assistant at the time, which was Coach Kitty Pasqual. And they remembered me from the recruiting process. And I said, hey, Coach, pa- Miss Pasqual, how you doing? It's Keith Thump Belton. I'm calling, is Coach Pasqualoni around? She was like, no, he's in the meeting. And I said, well, will you tell him the Thump Belton's on the phone? And he's not at Baylor, he's at junior college. And about 10 seconds later, Coach Pasqualoni was on the phone and his big loud voice, he said, Thump, where are you at? And I said, "I'm at, uh, I'm in Northeast Mississippi. He said, how are you doing? I said, coach, I'm not doing well. I said, "Um, I just tore my ACL, and so I gotta sit out this year. I said, but coach, the good thing is I have three years to play. He said, so when you graduate? I said, I'm getting out of here as fast as I can. He said, so you know how many credits you need? I said, yeah, you need 64 credits to graduate. And this is my first semester. I said, but I'll be out of here in December. And he said, so how are you gonna do that? I said, I'm gonna go take 20 hours a semester. In order to get out of here, so I did it. I took twenty hours, twenty hours per semester for three semesters, and then I had to go take summer school courses. So I graduated with like sixty-seven credit hours before I got to Syracuse. Wow! And so he told me, he told me that day. He said, if you do that, and you show that type of commitment. The recruiting is back on the table. We'll uh, monitor you, see how you're doing as far as your health-wise. We'll send somebody down there to come see you. Coach David Walker came to see me the next season. I told him if you come to see me, he offered me a scholarship. I'll cancel all visits. I won't make any visits nowhere else, and I'm coming to Syracuse, and that's what I did.
1: Wow, amazing. Yes, awesome. You know, amazing. always through adversity we find these yep. rad paths, and if we have those eyes to see it, which you do. Yeah. Um, amazing. Yeah, no, blessed. and then you, you go to Syracuse, and you join, <laughs> I mean, Jim Brown. That's right. Ernie Davis, who, like, for me even, is even <laughs> like, oh, my, you know. That's right. First African American get the wins the Heisman Trophy, the first not first overall pick in yes, the man. NFL draft. I mean, you know, Larry Zonka, Art Monk. I mean, the the list goes on and on. And you know, I mean, we could spend a good fifteen minutes here um, just going over some of the Hall of Famers from Syracuse. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm a Trojan. I mean, I yeah. you know like no, <laughs> <100%, laughs> I you know I, awesome. like no one don't get no mistakes. <laughs> but but I appreciate awesome. You know, yeah. I appreciate history and. Yeah. Um, and good programs yeah so going there i mean obviously and i think of aussie solemn uh, or aussie I, I never know how to say his mm-hmm. name right you know aussie news mm-hmm. solemn i thought
0: yeah you're right
1: okay okay i mean yeah. i was losing my yeah, right. <laughs> right. dyslexic in it <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> you know i mean with a historic i mean obviously you know on the counter usc john mm-hmm. mckay right. john <laughs> robinson i was a running back yeah. Uh USC has, has also been historically a powerhouse as mm-hmm. far as pumping out phenomenal mm-hmm. backs, fullbacks, tailbacks, running backs. I see Jibo and I, are, I have a lot in common. Just like you we're Gemini's, <laughs> right. but I was I was a running back as that's well on right. the boys team, you know. That's right.
0: So I, I, I won up on Jibo. <laughs>
1: <laughs> he went to defense, which is where I wanted to go, which is where I've gone later in my life. <laughs>
0: okay, so I guess we're tied now.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, Ricky Bell, Charles White, Marcus Allen. Those 100%. were my that's who I, you know. Um, we we were so blown away because Marcus Allen ran so fast he ran out of his cleats when he was at USC <laughs> as a freshman. Mm-hmm. You know, I think Robinson was his coach at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, anyways, um, okay, so I'm I'm a dork. I I, I get football Tourette's and football. No, all right. Me too. <laughs> okay, so uh, Syracuse, come playing at you now Carrier Dome,
0: the Carrier Dome,
1: <laughs> playing there, walking yeah. out the first time oh with this gosh. history. What was that like?
0: Oh my gosh! I will tell you what, um. That's a special place. When you get a chance to go there and put on that orange helmet, that is a special place. And you know it from the time you walk on in, in that building. When you walk into the athletic building, the first thing you see is the Heisman Trophies or Ernie Davis, and you see the Jim Brown posters, and you see the Art Monks. You see all those things, and you automatically understand that you're a part of something huge. Going in that Carrier Dome, it's, it's, honestly, it's probably no place like it. When that place is rocking, it's no place in the country like it. And it only sit around 55,000, but you would think it's 200,000 people in that place. like well, the dome? Oh. I would
1: imagine. Like, keeps and it's metal
0: seats. Oh, wow. Oh, it's ridiculous. It is ridiculous. It's 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 absolutely amazing. It's no place like that place when it's rocking. No place. But, you know, the thing is because fortunately for me, my running backs coach was a running back at um, Syracuse, and he's one of the all-time leading rushers there as well, so... He made sure we understood when we walked in that running back room exactly what we was getting ourselves Uh, into.
1: Right, okay. Because he made
0: sure we understood the the lineage that had been set behind and the standard that had to be upheld in that running back room. So he bleed orange to this day. He still bleeds orange. So everybody who comes to play running back at Syracuse, they have to understand what they're getting themselves into. And there is a standard there in that room, just like it is at USC. I mean, both schools can arguably be called running back university. No, I mean historically, yeah, Yeah. no,
1: because when you when you told me Syracuse and I, you know, I looked and (laughs) I was like, oh my gosh, like this is, you know, I mean, I know, uh, and we spoke about Stephen Gregory, who is not, you know, is a a safety, uh, cornerback, strong safety. I'm trying to think, yeah, I mean, secondary player, Mm -hmm. linebacker. Now with Detroit Lions Mm -hmm. on the staff there, Mm -hmm. I did text him, but I didn't hear back from him, you know. But (sighs) usually he's pretty good. I I think he's real busy right now. He's busy right now. (laughs) Real busy this now, Um, but. Yeah, a lot of phenomenal running backs now. And you've had the opportunity to, you know, well, let's, we're going to go chronologically, I guess. So (laughs) from Carrier, well, and actually I'm going to throw out something else here a little bit is, you know, playing. Now, actually, Jibo, have your, did you ever, SC, did you, did SC, did you play, uh, have you played at Carrier Dome? Did you ever play during your time at USC? I don't think so. I think Boston College, but not Syracuse. Mm
0: we pl- we played syracuse but i'm not sure if it was at the carrier dome then no, we played no, at the jet city they played at metlife yeah we played okay you played metlife, at MetLife. Yeah, that's
1: play right okay because i was like okay wait i remember <laughs> i'm like mm, is it but i know i think i would remember that um contrast though i mean from carrier dome to now coaching on the field at the la coliseum another historic mm-hmm. um place yeah the difference
0: oh my gosh um the carrier dome is special don't get me wrong the carrier dome is special in it's own little way. the way the special thing about the carrier dome is that it's named after an air conditioning place but there's no air conditioning in the carrier dome it doesn't make sense <laughs> at all it's named after <laughs> carrier air conditioning there's no air conditioning in there oh but my God. anyway it's not some good advertising there. <laughs> <laughs> it's the truth but uh i tell you what um my first time coming to the L.A. Coliseum. They didn't Coliseum. get the
1: details right on that contract. No, today. they didn't. I'm like, come okay. on, man. How
0: could you not have AC in a place that's named after you? But anyway, it's <laughs> funny. It's funny. But uh, it's no place like the L.A. Coliseum. Just the historical references of it, whether it's the Olympics and whether it's the Pope or whether it's the President and whether it's uh, USC football, or whether it's – I mean, so many events have been taking place in that place. So it's – it's, that place is absolutely amazing, and even when you go run the stadiums, they're just for exercise. You understand that so many people have been in this place that there's a standard, there's a there's an expectation every time you walk in there. And as if I if I'm quoting this correctly, I believe for the past two years USC has not lost a game in the Coliseum. But we plan on keeping that going, and we're reminded of that every single day oh, with that. Coach Helton. We we will not lose in that in, in that place. So uh, is it's that a coming from place. Lynn?
1: Does Lynn come down and say, "Oh yeah, by the way"? I mean, or does Lynn just throw his whole lineage back? Not at you, not like at all. I'm joking. He's <laughs> <separated>. I, uh, <laughs> not at all.
0: The thing is, uh, when and I told Mrs. Swan this too. I told him this when you walk into the John McKay Center at five five fifteen in the morning. And you see Mr. Swan working out, whether it's on the treadmill, whether it's on the elliptical, whether it's lifting weights, whether whatever it is, you really understand the expectation and the um, the standard of that place because him as a Hall of Famer, All American, Super Bowl winning uh, athletic director in there at five o'clock in the morning working, not talking. Working, working out, and then when he gets done, he sits around and he talks to the coaches and he talks to the student athletes. I mean, that's the type of athletic director you want, cause he's in the mix and he wants to know what's going on and he's totally invested into the university as a, as a whole as well as the athletic department. So, when you walk in there and you see all those All Americans on the All American Wall, and then you walk in there and then you see Lin, uh, Mr. Lynn Swan in the weight room lifting weights and running, it's no place like it. It's no place like it, and you're constantly reminded of that every single day. It's every when you go to the USC Athletic Building, everywhere you look, you're going to see something that's going to remind you exactly where you are, and that goes along with not losing at home. <laughs> they tell you that all the time. Like it's just it's our sacred ground, and Coach Helton he tells us all the time that is our sacred ground. We must protect that place, and because of the reputation and everything that that it holds, so. We're always reminded of that, and Mr. Bo knows as well. All the tro- former Trojans understand that that's just one place you don't lose it. You don't lose at home. You don't want to lose it all, but you definitely don't let somebody else come in your backyard and take your stuff, for sure. No,
1: you don't. You don't lose at home.
0: And i tell you the most special thing about that place is that band with Dr. Bardner. I mean, that guy, he's been, I mean, you know, I've had an opportunity to sit down and talk with him. He's going on 50 years of service, and he's people don't understand. That is special. And his passion hasn't went down not one bit. He's still as passionate as he was. Like, we just going to listen to that Jay-Z, my first song. Yeah. That's, that's Dr. Bartner all day. And uh, when, you, when you're when in that field pregame and that band start walking down that tunnel and you hear those drums, it's nothing like it. It is nothing like that USC fight song. And it, and that's a national thing. I mean, I, was, I remember being a kid in North Carolina listening to USC fight song, and I'm like, that is the dopest thing ever. It's nothing like the USC fight song. I've heard Michigan. I've heard Ohio State. I've heard Notre Dame. I've heard Syracuse. It's nothing like that USC fight song.
1: No, it's not. And then, you know, and I, when Jibo was in as well, I mean, I, I started the show off when Jibo was in with Tusk yes. because I mean, that's just goes down to my roots with the whole <laughs> USC, UCLA thing. That's right. But, you know, uh, the passion as well as instilled, um, and another one bites the dust, when they play that song, <laughs> I always love it after they've gotten sacked, uh, sacked somebody, um, and uh, the Lone Ranger, mm-hmm. you know. But the fight song, I mean, there's nothing like it, you know. I mean, you—it's kind of like an automatic reaction with happens with your fingers <laughs> and your hands, and you know, That's right. uh, it's just something really special.
0: No place like. You it.
1: know, and we won't tell the Syracuse you you know about the well but, I mean I was going to mention the 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 mascot but I didn't want to go there either <laughs> So what is auto the <laughs> Orange, oh, or or auto <laughs> sorry That's I'm not, day not day. I'm not knocking Syracuse cuz I I do you know I yeah, did no, bring 100%. up all the history as well so um <laughs> yeah <sighs> I mean gosh you're you're surrounded I mean uh UNLV as well um where uh, John uh, John Robinson was at mm-hmm. as well after USC. I remember. Mm-hmm. Um, really. you no, know, and I'm skipping ahead because we're missing you. Also, undrafted free agent. Yeah. Coming out of Syracuse. Yeah. I mean, but coming out of Syracuse, is there a lot of pressure to be a Browns? To be, you know, be <laughs> I mean, only with the historic you know, right. history. You know. Right. Right. Um, I would
0: hope so, but um, I don't really. I mean, we had a receiver a long time ago named Kevin Johnson. Went to Syracuse and he he went play for the Browns, but I I'm not really sure if we have a lot of brownies. Yeah. I would think so because of the orange helmets. You know, he was you would keep us relevant in Cleveland. So uh, to all the Cleveland guys out there, let's go out to Syracuse and get some Syracuse players, particularly fullbacks. Let's bring it back to Cleveland. Yeah,
1: no, I mean, well, I, yeah, especially Cleveland, but they're coming from Pennsylvania most of them. That's did, right. Most of those guys did. That's right. So, um, but you know, obviously Jim Brown and Ernie Davis. I mm-hmm. mean, I obviously first. You know, come to mind. Mm-hmm. Um, sorry to re-reference that, but I mean, it's hard not to. Yeah, uh, with that much history. So, you get, you go, and you sign <laughs> with the Detroit Lions. Yeah. You are on the practice squad, which is huge. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Explain what it is because I think a lot of people don't, you know, you and I try to explain what being on the practice squad, it, you're playing every day against the team. Oh you're my you're in the locker room every day. Like yeah. people don't get, like they think practice squad is practicing over here. <laughs> no, practice squad is in the locker room. Practice squad mm. is playing against, yeah. I mean, is in playing and being for a spot as well. Mm-hmm. What's it like walking on and, and being on, like, what's the shift, you know, coming yeah. from a great, a great program with Syracuse mm-hmm. and then, Playing on the practice squad in the
0: NFL, yeah. Huge. Um, I tell you what, the transition for me wasn't as bad because um, I had Coach Steve Mariucci, uh-huh. who was an awesome coach, awesome coach. And then the running backs coach at the time was Coach Tom Rathman, who played fullback in Nebraska. Okay. And uh, so I came in, and obviously I was competing for a spot, but. At the time, Corey Schlesinger was going to be there, and they were only going to keep one or two fullbacks on the roster anyway. So for them to keep me as a practice squad fullback was a blessing in my book. And uh, But being a part of a practice squad, honestly, to me, it was like redshirting. It was, I never redshirted. So to me, it was like redshirting. Coming in, uh, you learn the system. You learn the terminologies. You learn how to be a pro. Um, you get acclimated to the team. You get acclimated to being in the NFL. That's really what it's about. And then it's one of those things, once you get your opportunity, because it will come, someone may get hurt either on your team or on another team. You have to be prepared for that opportunity. For me, I was fortunate enough to get bumped up to the active roster my rookie year, which is hard to do, particularly for fullbacks, because they usually use a tight end or something like that, which I think is ridiculous, but that's my own philosophy because I'm (laughs) pro fullback anyway. But, um,
1: I'm surprised you're not the running back coach. but, um, but we'll, Yeah, <laughs> no, yeah, we, we could probably talk about that too. <laughs> but uh,
0: And don't get my wife started on that because this is a whole nother 30-minute conversation. Mm-hmm. But um, it, it was it was a blessing to be able to do that. But the thing about being on a practice while people got to understand it's like being a walk-on in college or being a walk-on in high school. You can't make mistakes. You have to be right all the time. With a first rounder, he can do the wrong thing over and over and over again. But you know what? There's a lot invested in that guy. When you're a walk-on, or you are um, undrafted or free agent. Or, or six yeah, or well, six or round. seven round I mean, it. the same. Your rope is your rope is not that long, so you have to be tough, and you have to be willing to go every down, every play. And it was great for me because it gave me more exposure than just playing fullback. Because what happened was, by being on the practice squad, I had to play tailback as well. And I was like, this is my home. This is what I do anyway. It's been years since I played tailback, and it kind of made me more marketable and it kind of made me more valuable to the team because they was like, okay, well, if it doesn't work out at fullback, then he can always be our third or fourth string tailback. And I would not have never had that opportunity if um, I wouldn't have been on the practice squad because I I would go on to say I was probably better than a lot of tailbacks that was in the NFL anyway, but all my film was at fullback. So that's kind of how it worked out. But the practice squad is great. You get eight guys that you kind of bond with and you kind of, get this brotherhood with, uh, just like coming in as a freshman or whatever, Mm -hmm. and you build this bond and you guys push each other every day. And you got to play every position. I played kickoff, I played kickoff return, I played punt, I played punt return, I played tailback, I played linebacker, I played safety, I played wide receiver. They put you wherever they feel like they can put you, and you just go in and from the first whistle to the last whistle, you're on the field. You don't get a break. You don't get a break at all. It's like from the first whistle to the last whistle, you're on the field and you're practicing but you know what at the end of the day at that time you probably made one hundred and ten thousand dollars. i was like what else would i be doing you know i graduated from syracuse i had a history history degree i wanted to go be a teacher okay i probably would have made 50 yeah. and, that, and that's if i'm lucky in a really really good state yeah. and that's the conversation we can have too but i'm gonna make one hundred and ten thousand dollars basically in half a year and i got to play football i'm all in yeah. so all the guys who got to go play uh, be on a practice squad, man, soak that up. And that was 13 years ago. So I know the price that went up. It's probably close to about 150 now. So,
1: okay, so it went up because it wasn't that much, I thought, a lot a few years back. No. I thought it was like, it's like a lot of guys were driving, were working at like Avis rental car. 100%. As well because yeah. it wasn't, there wasn't a budget, you know? Yeah. You know uh, so you were making some decent money yeah. then. And I was I mean, living in Detroit.
0: Yeah. You know? I, mean, I was living in Detroit. But if you make $110,000 you live in San Diego, you got to go get your job.
1: Yeah, no, but you know what, like, but I mean, this is back in 2005, Three, 2004, four, five, yeah. you know, I mean, that's hundred thousand bucks, a hundred thousand dollars ain't too shabby. I mean, you know? I, I, it's not too shabby right now. I mean, well, actually it might, you know, like now with everything yeah. as expensive as it is out here yeah. for us, but yeah. you know, that's actually not too bad.
0: But the thing about that, you only get that for 16 weeks Yeah, and then you got the rest of the year. So you think about the kids who, who are financially illiterate, they don't know. You know, you give a guy fifteen, twenty thousand dollars 20000 he don't know what to do with that. If I don't think he's ever gotten college. It was a free meal yeah. and, a, and a bus ride to the, to the classroom or anything like that. And he probably comes from a home where he don't have a whole lot of money. So all of a sudden, he got a couple of thousand dollars in his pocket. He don't know anything about investing or investing in the right things, you know. So they're going to blow that money. Yeah. For the most part, they're going to blow that money. So that's the sad part. I mean, I've been a part of teams where guys call me and ask me for money uh in late june or in july because they don't have any more money because they spent it all from january wow and a lot of them they probably have children whatever the situation may be it's just that money gotta last you for the rest of the year so that's why a lot of guys do go out and get jobs they they don't spend their money it's tough
1: yeah if you're just tuning in i'm joined by thump uh and he's got a thump we're gonna go with thump you guys (laughs) it's thump today and Jibo's in studio as well with us right now, so I'm pretty stoked. So Detroit Lions mm-hmm. practice squad yeah. onto the Chicago Bears. Yes. Played there for three seasons.
0: I played there for uh, or, a season and a half, and then first, I went okay. to Denver.
1: Oh, pardon me. Okay, mm-hmm. and then and then de- then to Denver. Mm-hmm. Um, and then back to Detroit.
0: And back to Detroit. How about that?
1: And now you have all these friends that are on the Detroit <laughs> Lions coaching staff as it well. Is which is a small – what is it with you in Detroit?
0: It is nuts. It is nuts. I mean – the funny thing about it was uh, Coach Matt Patricia, he was like a graduate assistant, quality control guy when I was at Syracuse. Always smart, always articulate, very, very good with people. And he was one of those guys where um, if you didn't understand something, everybody knew, just go ask Matt. It was, if they had an app back then, it would be x Matt app. <laughs> and he, he would have been a he would have been a host for it, but he was just one. He was just so smart, and I believe he was an engineer or something like that. So he that had just got out of that field. Makes very much
1: sense, yeah. An he had just got out correct.
0: of that field, and he wow. came and um, you know it wasn't easy for him by any stretch of the imagination. He was there from day in day out, from sun up to sundown, and he was doing everything from faxing everything to uh, helping running drills and practice, whatever they asked him to do, he did it. But he did it with such a great grace. So it wasn't no doubt that after a while he was going to be a head coach. And actually, I used to tell him all the time because he was my um, bus mate. And uh, he used to travel. We used to travel together. We sat together on the planes to and from games. And I used to always tell him, I said, man, you're going to be a head coach. You're going to be a head coach. And back then, you got to think that was 15 years ago. He was like, man, I hope so. I said, dude, you will. You'll be a head coach. So um, once he got that break into the NFL, I was like, it's just a matter of time. Back then, he didn't have no facial hair. It was just uh-huh. <laughs> no hair on his face, just Matt Patricia. But now he's Matt Patricia with the big beard. And he, he's exactly what everybody thinks he is. He's smart. He's articulate. He's personable. And Detroit would not struggle long with him at the board. And, I mean, him at the, him at the top. Yeah, yeah. Particularly with the staff he put together. Because all those guys are Syracuse guys when I was there. Coach Paul Pasqualoni, who was the head coach. He's the defensive coordinator. The coach... Uh, David Walker's a running back coach he was my running back coach you know coach Brian Stewart is the uh, DB's coach he was a DB's coach at uh, Syracuse when I was there then you bring in Stephen Gregory well Brian Stewart was Stephen Gregory's position coach yeah. uh, even down to the camera the uh, Eric Kantu oh, the wow. video coordinator he's there he took over that situation there in Detroit so it's basically a uh, Detroit orangeman. At this point, that's kind of what, we do, what they've turned into. It's, it's a cool deal. It's a neat deal.
1: Now, were you able to, once he announced that he was yeah. going to be the head coach, were you able to say, I, I told you so? I didn't say or I, not did. I told you so. But I congrats, wanted to. Say congratulations. I,
0: I, I did. I did. It's, it's so funny. And me and um, Mr. Bowman were just talking about that, how small this world is, because when I started out in Detroit, Uh, it's a guy there, guy there by the name of Eddie Mallard and he runs a lot of the remaxes there and he helps guys find homes. Mm -hmm. He was the first guy I met when I got there and he was so hospitable, um, took us out to eat, built really, really good relationships with him. And to this day, Eddie is still there helping people find somewhere to live. So he called me once, uh, coach Patricia got the job probably about a month after I would say, he said, Hey, thump, I got somebody on the line with me. And I say, who you got? And then Coach Patricia said, hey, Thump, what you doing? And I say, Coach Matt, what's going on? But it just it just goes to show, like, when when you meet people, you know, you always leave a lasting imprint on them. And uh, especially if they know you're about the right things, they're always going to be willing to help you, you know. And Eddie's always been that way. And so when Coach Patricia got the job, he called Matt Patricia, and we talked it for about 15 minutes, just talked about Syracuse, talked about what I am now. and. What he's doing in the journey, we both had to take. So I'm extremely excited for what Detroit is about to do. It's, a, it's an amazing deal out there. Yeah. They got a new fan in me. Right on. For sure.
1: Right on. Uh, no, and I, I'm always kind of, I, I kind of like the underdog as well. I mean, but, you know, the last couple of years, they've been so close. They're getting better. They've been so close. And I like Martha Firestone Ford. I mean, I've, <laughs> I've really wanted to meet this woman. I mm-hmm. mean, she's 90 plus yeah. years old. She's out She's at the facility every day in the morning, I mean, and hands-on of the Firestone family. I mean, you know, I think she went to Valor or she went to uh, Smith's. She went to one of the great uh, women's colleges Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. back. I mean, but this is a long time ago. I mean, she's she's a little powerful woman. Mm -hmm. Um, But I'm excited for Detroit as well. Now, and having, and I have to say that Thanksgiving, you're always playing on Thanksgiving if you're Alliance, you know, <laughs> right. I mean, which is pretty rad. I mean, yeah. and Detroit <laughs> is music. Mm, I mean, talk time. about, them. I mean, that jazz player, they, a saxophone player they had for this, this Thanksgiving mm-hmm. was unbelievable. I mean, but mm-hmm. it's always mm-hmm. unbelievable mm-hmm. Uh, musicians. 100%. I mean, it's, it's rad. It's really cool.
0: It's so. my favorite city in the country.
1: Okay, right on. Outside of LA. so we are so should U S should Lynn Swan and USC be worried that you might be going because no, you have got a lot no. of a, touch, a lot of close connections over in Detroit now.
0: One hundred percent. Sorry, no Clay Helton, you're not no, listening. No, right? but that's <laughs> no. that's I mean that that's always a possibility. You know that's always a possibility. But you know USC is family. You know Clay Held, Clay Helton is family and Coach Johnny Nash and Ivan Lewis all those guys. Cheryl Tapping that's family to me. And Coach T. Coach T, that's family, you know, so it's just one of those things. You know, it's, it's hard to leave L.A. to go to that code now. You know, I've been out of the code for a while, so <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's going to cost them if they want to get me back over there. Yeah. I'll tell you that much.
1: Right on. Okay, so now, and then, so NFL, then then to the Broncos, you said, mm-hmm. you know, and then back to the Lions. Yeah. What was, I mean, and then you're going to, we're talking about stadiums, but mile high. I mean, oh my gosh, <laughs> is, I mean, <laughs> as a player, what's it like to watch other teams come into town and struggle to breathe? Yeah. I, I mean, mean, that sounds, and I mean, not, it's not, cause everyone is in such great shape. Right. But when you are acclimated at a higher, at my high elevation, mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. that's where the uh, marathon runners and the runners go to train. Right. Because you, your blood gets, what is it? You get, uh, your blood gets thinner, it gets thinner or? Thinner. Okay, right. yeah. It's mm-hmm. just like taking, then you need to take an aspirin actually if you go <laughs> into the mountains and you're not acclimated to right. it. So, um, what was that like kind of? My high
0: was awesome. Um, they have a, obviously, they have a freaking awesome, awesome, awesome fan base. The thing that took me away about uh, Denver, it wasn't so much a mile high, it was a fact that I was going to be coached by Mike Shanahan. That was the biggest thing for me. It was like when I got the call to go to Denver, I didn't even think about Broncos. Thought about I Washington. thought straight Mike Shanahan. That's all I thought about in Terrell Davis. And then the running back coach is Bobby Turner. USC? Uh, Georgia.
1: Oh, oh, pardon me. Oh, yeah, my gosh. Georgia. I just totally. Yeah. Yes, no. Yeah, You're right. Yes, I'm sorry. <laughs> oh my then, god, no, that's <laughs> I, I, that's He's from, San Diego. He's he from is, San Diego. He is. He is. That's, that's, why, that's like, why I went there. Yeah, 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 okay. I'm totally. Oh, my gosh. Okay, sorry, yeah. Terrell. Um, in the Hall of Fame as well.
0: Oh, my gosh. And and I showed up the first day, and I've never been starstruck in my life, ever, by anybody. And I saw Mike Shanahan, and I was like, you got to be kidding me. Like, this is the for real Mike Shanahan. He come up, shake my hand, call me Thumb. I was like, this dude just called me Thumb. He didn't call me Keith. I thought it was awesome, man. And I went out every day, and it wasn't about, like, me making a team or anything like that, I was like, Mike Shanahan is here. And Bobby Turner, who was Terrell Davis's running backs coach, who was a running backs coach at that time, I was like, he coached Terrell Davis. And I idolized Terrell Davis at that time. And I still do. I think he's a wonderful man. I don't know him personally, but everything I hear is always awesome anyway. But Bobby Turner was a running backs coach. I was like, man, this is where I'm supposed to be anyway. Former fullback, tail back. I'm going to be the next thousand-yard rusher. That didn't last long. <laughs> that didn't last long at all. But the dream was there. The dream was there. But uh, I was just enamored by Mike Shanahan and having the opportunity to be coached by him. And he gave me a life. I tell you what. I I, I told him this because I seen him years after at Baylor's pro day when I was uh, coaching the Baylor, and that's when Robert Griffin was coming out. And uh, obviously, Mike Shanahan and the Redskins they they chose Robert.
1: No, I mean, I was yeah. a small. Mm-hmm. I mean, like the small yeah. separation. Yeah.
0: And uh, Mike Shanahan, he was at the Pro Day, and I ran up to him. He gave me a big old hug. And um, But let's rewind that. The day that they cut me uh, in Denver, he looked me in the eyes. He said, hey, Thump, I'm going to tell you this. He said, and I'm not just going to tell you this just to blow smoke, as he said, because I'm not that type of guy. You can tell he's not. He's a straightforward guy. <laughs> he said, uh, He said, I'm going to tell you something. He said, look, whatever you decide to do in your life, Outside of football, he said, you're going to be extremely extremely successful. He told me that. And whether he was lying or not, it was the fact that Mike Shanahan told me that. I took it and ran with it. I took it and ran. I went home and I told my, my wife at the time. Well, she's still my wife, but she was my girlfriend at the time before I got married. I told her and I wrote that down. And I reminded him when I seen him again in 2011, I reminded him that he told me that. And he had the biggest smile on his face. And I and I I will always thank him for that because I was like for somebody like that to believe you and to tell you that I was golden. Now I know I can't fail because Mike Shanahan told me I couldn't.
1: Right, that's amazing. Um, you know, and I was uh, God. I we've got a lot more to cover, and I but but I think San Francisco right now is really exciting. The Niners are really exciting <laughs> right are. now with his son coaching. That's right. And I last season I read. Um, uh, the score takes care of itself. Mm-hmm. Um, the book by hall of fame coach that my brain just completely froze up on. <laughs> and I, um, Oh my gosh, I'm losing my marbles. Uh, they were 0 and six, and they started the season. And I, and I felt like last year, San Francisco was going to be the team that was actually in rebuild, rebuild mode. Mm-hmm. Um, and, they were gonna start to win. And they were gonna start and then it was they were owned six and they were owned seven. Like, <laughs> no, they're gonna they're they're in re they're in rebuild, they're gonna do it, and and you know, and things shifted and they they're looking really good. Ooh. NFC North or West, pardon me, mm-hmm. is looking really good. Mm-hmm. Uh the Rams as well, especially mm-hmm. with the Android and you know, <laughs> I mean, we've got a lot. I mean Seattle a lot of changes in yeah. seattle right now i don't right. know what's going to happen with seattle um but pete always gets those guys to play i mean 100%. Pete always there's competition i know from players you know it's like you got to throw a basketball before you go out to the practice field you know same might have been true at sc as well you know there's always competition i think with yeah. pete um arizona mm-hmm. is got life again as well um <laughs> you know i mean i think there's uh I don't know. I mean, there's. It's gonna. I think that's gonna be a tough division.
0: Well, I'm gonna I'm be biased. Okay. Okay. I'm gonna be biased, and all those teams are amazing. You're gonna
1: teams. Detroit Lions. No, oh. <laughs> no. you are gonna stay in that
0: conference. Obviously, you got San Francisco, you got the Rams, you got Seattle. But it's a guy by the name of Steve Wilkes, out there in uh, Arizona, uh-huh. and he's a West Charlotte guy too. Okay. Same high school. Grew up in the same neighborhood. Uh, families know each other. And I know him very well as well. And so um, I tell you this, and the USC the USC is gonna kill me for this. They're gonna kill me for this. They're gonna kill me. Uh-uh. But they got Josh Rosen over there for the Cardinals, and you got Steve Wilkes, and you got Larry Fitzgerald, and you got um, what's my guy name to just get drafted? Well, Frosty Rutgers is still right. there. Still, I mean, right. Trojan. We will yeah. throw the USC Trojans in there again. for sure. <laughs> Come on, for Givo. sure, <laughs> for sure. And and they got Christian Kirk. I mean. This year, I'm gonna put my hat on the Arizona Cardinals in that conference.
1: I am. Well, they have a whole new coach. They got a whole. They don't have Bruce there. That's right. I mean, and Bruce, from what I understand from people that know him well, is and what he appears to be, but is is very special. Mm -hmm. Uh, Bruce Arians um, and what he did for that organization. I've heard this. You know, so but I mean, I. I, I mean, I, whatever you say, I'm going to probably have to eat my words here, but I think it's really tough with a new coach, oh, 100%. Uh new quarterback. Um, I mean, they did pick up, um, what did they pick up in the, who, what was the undrafted free agent quarterback they picked up in Arizona? They picked up a good quarterback, um, Gosh, yes. as well, you know, and I, do you think Josh Rosen is ready though?
0: I do. I do. I think he's, I think he's a special talent.
1: What about his attitude?
0: The, the, i've know, heard good yeah. and i've heard bad you know what and
1: i mean attitude whatever of, of, yeah. of eight teams missing or however yeah. many teams missing out on him <laughs> i kind of
0: like that it's kind <laughs> of a
1: little cocky
0: <laughs> i kind of like i mean
1: that. i think the proof's in the pudding yeah you know? um right <laughs> the thing the Sorry.
0: thing the thing is that he's going to have to which what he had to deal with is the nfl locker room because he's not dealing with 18 to 22 year olds anymore you know, he's dealing with men with families and guys who've been in the NFL for 12, 13, or fourteen years that he's gonna go out there and have to prove everything at this point. Um, you know, when you come out of high school, you're number two, number three, whatever, number one guy. You know, you don't have to prove a whole lot. You really don't. But when you come to the NFL, it's a different deal. It's a different deal. So, um I just I believe in Coach Wilkes. and okay. that's why I'm biased because I know no, that's him personally. Cool. Okay. Um, I mean I
1: just think that's a tough. Oh, like, it's, the it's first year weird. is 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 it, it just takes time.
0: Yeah, it does. But yeah. something goes with having a new set of energy in there too, though. When you create new energy in the building, things happen. Special things happen when you have a new energy. You got a, you know, you got a young gunslinging quarterback who believes in themselves, probably a little bit more than he should. But at the same time, you just never know where it goes. So I know for this year, I'm gonna definitely put my hat on the on the Arizona Cardinals.
1: Well, and they have a great running back as well. For sure. I mean, which is alleviating a lot of the pressure. I mean, sure. Back to our backs. For sure. Okay, we are. We've got eight more minutes. Okay. Um, we can have you on. Actually, we oh, we we can't. We can't. Can go a smidgen over, probably, but not really, because we've got uh, an hour show. <laughs> Anyways, um, I'm gonna. So we're gonna quick. I'm gonna you and I mean coaching career after after your NFL career after arena football, mm-hmm. um, UNLV. You meant there's quite a few schools you've been uh, on the staff with. Yeah. You are currently with USC. Strength and conditioning assistant coach, and I and I, I share this not to uh, nullify any of your past. I just have run out of time. Yes, sir. Uh, being on this, being one of the coaches with USC, what's it like?
0: It's amazing. It's an honor every day. It's an honor because I understand what's expected of me because of the, the, the first off the coaching staff that we have, and then the kids that we bring in. There's a standard there, and just to be a part of that. It's nothing short of a blessing. Like I, sometimes I still pinch myself. I'm like, "What in the world are you doing here?" Because I started out coaching at John C. Smith University, a Division Small, a small Division Two school in Charlotte, yeah. with just a dream to be able to go Division One. Now I'm at USC, and I still pinch myself to this day. as like, "Dude, are you really at USC?" But I'm not starstruck though. I'm not starstruck, but at the same time, this place—that place—is a special place. So it's nothing short of a blessing to be there for sure.
1: And we kind of touched a little, even just being in the Coliseum, but I mean, at John McKay, um, I mean, I, I just, and walking in and seeing Lynn Swan there. That's right. I mean, that's pretty, I, I mean, I think that's just a rad. It's just awesome to see that for me, you know, I, I mentioned earlier in the show, I, I was at this Vans event. Steve Van Doren is mm-hmm. is the owner. They sold it to VF. He is still there. He mm-hmm. is like, I remember we were in Jersey after a big Warp Tour event and it was 10 o'clock and we were skating back from the bowl mm-hmm. to the hotel and Steve Doran's picking up trash. And, and when you were talking about Lynn Swan, I thought the same. And, and it's like I, and there's no cameras around. That's right. It wasn't, it, it's, it, you know, it was a test to what these people are. You so know, you are. Um, I call, I call uh, Bob Hurley, the owner of Hurley. He doesn't have voice message. He has someone takes some a message and he calls me back. Mm-hmm. I love you it. get the callbacks yeah. and you get the email replies from the people at the top. It seems like always. I mean, so, and I, and there's got to be something said for that. Everyone else is too busy. Yeah,
0: it's a reflection of the company.
1: Yeah, it's pretty rad. Okay, now you've got, there's some really special things going on as well. Um, you are the founder of S-E-E, SEA, pardon me, mm-hmm. Performance. Mm-hmm. Um you have camps for all sports That's for right. kids uh, eight to thir- or 5 to 13 years old. You've mm-hmm. got something coming up. And, you know, we spoke a little bit about when Mujibo was yeah. in the studio. So May 20th in Victorville.
0: Victorville.
1: Victorville. Okay. <laughs> so if you guys are any, but it's worth the drive. This is uh, pretty special. We're going to give you two minutes, three minutes to tell us all about. Give us your, the hot points. Well, I'll tell you what. The thing that, <laughs> makes, the thing that
0: make the SEA special is that um, it's staffed one with myself, but it's former student athletes on every level coming out and mentoring and teaching and educating youth about the simplest things, how to run, how to jump, how to change direction, how to accelerate, how to decelerate. But we're also preaching things like um, nutrition and the importance of nutrition. And ironically for me, I used to work in the mental health field. So that's the first thing they teach you is when you're dealing with the clients to say, "Okay, let's figure out what the trigger points are. Let's figure out, okay, how are the habits? Do they eat breakfast? Do they eat dinner? Or what are they eating? How often are they eating? So those are the things that we're touching on in these camps too. And what we love to do, we love to bring professional softball players, baseball players, basketball players, football players to these camps and let them speak to the kids and let them engage with the kids in all the drills and teach them and talk to the parents and try to give them a blueprint. I mean, it's a lot of lost souls out there. They're just looking for somebody to help them. And that's that's all we want to do. That's all we want to do. I mean, to this day, on Mondays and Wednesdays, we go to parks and we train kids for free. We don't ask for anything. We set up at the park and say, okay, this is who we are. This is what we want to do. Come out here every Monday and every Wednesday at this park and we'll be here. Like right now, I'm at Wilson Park in Torrance every Monday and Wednesday at 6 o'clock. And I set cones up and ladders up and we have a blast. That's what we do. I don't want anything in return. I just want the kids to come out there and learn some good things that we're doing and uh, just being out in the community, and that's what the SEA is all about—the Strength Endurance Academy. And we do camps. We're gonna do camps all summer. But our next one is in Victorville on May 20th, and then we'll come back and we'll be at Laverne College on June 9th, um, June 9th in Laverne from 4 to 7, and the one in Victorville is at 4 to 7 too. And we're actually partnering, uh, partnering up with this another group. Out of Atlanta is called the Battle of the Trenches, and it's actually another Syracuse guy. He's a safety, and he's uh, his name is Anthony Smith. He won two Super Bowl rings um, with the he won one with the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers and one with the Green Bay Packers, and um, they have a big thing going down there in Atlanta. Yeah, sorry, (laughs) (laughs) and they played each other in the Super Bowl. Oh man, that's heavy. heavy. in Dallas, but um, you know he. He does, he does an amazing job down there in Atlanta, so he's going to come out. And you have tons of guys out here in in, in L.A. in L.A. who does a great job, too, as far as uh, EST, as far as uh, games, um, uh, uh, Phase 1. A lot of these guys out here doing a really, really good job. And that's really what it's about. you got to use your platform to get out there with the kids and teach them fundamentals and keep them out the streets as much as you can, mentor on them, love on them, and just do our part. That's all we want to do is just do our part of the SEA and – Whoever wanted to come on with us, just come on with the ride. We'll have a great time doing it.
1: That's right. And this is only $40. And it's uh, coming up May 20th um, in Bakersfield and in Laverne on June. June the 9th. June yeah. the 9th. Um, really special opportunity. And there are no balls there. No balls. Um, it is all, uh, it's it's like tons of different drills. Mm-hmm leg every they they won't teach you how to speak but um no (laughs) they might do that (laughs) as well but a lot of there's going to be a lot of education as well about Mm -hmm. fueling your body Mm -hmm. um cooking options Mm -hmm. um you know kind of education on all you know mind body and soul just like your shirt said your mind body and spirit um you know and how you can do it and uh and i think for me sports saved my life Mm -hmm you know and i think that anybody that makes it to any form of a level you don't have to either but like it kind of helps keep you focused yes if you're involved with doing something on a regular basis whatever your passion is of that sport you're not going to drift too far off the path and if you do you're going to kind of come back to it um you know sports has really helped me a lot and i think we are let's see we are we are we are there we are there i'm getting the <laughs> nod from cole um you guys definitely want to follow sea.performance and also
0: at, at competition at
1: competition me. competition me me that's right as well on instagram you can follow the Desiree show or gerald bowman as well um, he is also partnering as well with some of these that's events right. um my guy. stay tuned mm-hmm. i will also post stuff on the blog and you know thanks to you guys for tuning in And thank you so much, Thump, for coming in studio. And Jibo for your support. (laughs) Cole for running the boards. This is The Desiree Show on Dash Radio, and I'm out. Are you tired of pain, taking pills, whether over-the-counter or otherwise? Are you looking for a natural way to help your body and your sanity that's also affordable, drug-free, and will block your pain? This is Desiree Astorga, and I am grateful to have partnered with a brand I truly believe in, a product I use, and to have Biomedical Life Systems is a sponsor of the Desiree Show podcast. Rebound Sport is your answer. It is for me. This amazing stimulator works with your body to alleviate pains due to overexertion, soreness, even helps strengthen your muscles. Head over to bmls.com and order yours today. Well,
0: I'm just trying to stay above water, you know, just stay busy, stay working. i am told like, the key to this joint, the key to stay on top, talk- treat everything like it's your first project, you know what I'm saying? Like it's your first day, like I wasn't an intern, that's how you try to treat things like